Well, once again, happy Mother's Day to all of you. We're so glad you're here. And if this is your first time, really a special welcome to you. And we hope that you feel like family. And uh, if this is your first time, just want to let you know, we're going through a, a series on marriage. Marriage. And the reason why we're doing this is because the, our board had a retreat. And one of the areas that our board felt that we needed to cover this year was parenting. So as the um, staff got together and said, well, how, okay, the board wants us to um, talk about parenting or, you know, do a parenting ministry, where does it start? Where it starts with marriage. You know, in order for us to be godly parents, you know, it's important that we have godly marriages. In order for us to, you know, have, be good parents, you know, we have to have good marriages. Now we understand that, you know, all marriages, you know, aren't intact. But, you know, parenting starts with you. And so this is why we chose to do this. And I wanted to jump in on, you know, Pastor Phil's illustration of a house. Let's say um, I knew Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant said, hey, Dave, I want you and Grace to use my house for the weekend. My family's going to be away. So you have full access to my house. And so Grace said, wow, we, full, we have full access to Kobe Bryant's house. So we go there and we go, wow, I wonder what this guy's entertainment center is like. So we go to his inter- entertainment center and we find out that the door's locked. We go, oh man, okay, well, maybe he's got some expensive equipment in there he doesn't want us to mess with. So he said, well, this guy, man, he's got to have a lot of food in his refrigerator. Let's check out his kitchen. We go there. That's locked too. Okay, he's a basketball player. Let's check out his exercise facilities and his gym. So we go there and we find out that door's locked too. And Grace and I are going, well, what kind of experience is this? We're invited into this um, Kobe's house, but we can't experience any of the things, any of the rooms because they're all locked. And marriage could be that way too, where it's like this house. And there are things that couples want to experience, and they can't experience because the door is locked. But the master key to unlocking all of those doors is communication. And there are so many things that we fail to experience with each other because of the lack of communication between, you know, couples. And so even if you're single here, I think there are points that you could pick up that will help you in your communication skills. Because what's the problem? What's the problem? Well, experts used to believe that 55% of all communication is nonverbal. Do you know what that means? 55% of communication is nonverbal. And what that means is our facial expressions. When somebody tells me, hey, Dave, here's a salad, and it's full of cilantro, you're going to see my mouth go down like this, and maybe, uh, oh, not so excited look on my face. Why? Because I don't like cilantro, okay? Well, I just don't like cilantro. It's stronger than that. But, but if you do the same thing to my wife, she's going to light up because she loves cilantro. So it's those facial expressions that tell you know, it's these, it's these hand gestures. It's our body movement. All of those give clues on what is really going on with us. 38% of our communication is tone. It's am I happy? 
Am I mad? I mean, I could say, Grace, I love you. And that communicates something. Or, Grace, I, I love you. You know, that, does that communicate the same thing? The words are the same, right? But the tone was different. The t- and that's 38%. And 7% is content. And that's just the words. But even content could get confusing because we have different cultures, different familiarities with these words. If I was to tell you guys, you know what? Last week I was in Long Beach for an FOR tournament. How many of you know what I was saying? Raise your hand. Okay, maybe a quarter of you would know what I'm talking about. The rest of you are saying, well, you in Long Beach for a four, four tournament. What, what for? You know, it's like four? Four means fans of Richard. Okay, fans of Richard. It's a South Bay Asian basketball organization. So when you say FOR tournament, that means it's a tournament held in the South Bay. Now, how many know what South Bay is? I'm assuming that you even know what South Bay is. But anyway, even that could be confusing. Because you don't have the... You know, it's English, right? I spoke to you in English, but only 25% of you knew what I was talking about. Now, that was a while back. Let's bring us today. And the thing is, I can only find statistics for 2010. Okay? And I was reading this article in CNN where it says, we don't talk anymore. The problem with texting. Now, in the year 2000, Americans sent about 14 billion texts per month. Okay, so in the year 2000, Americans text each other about 14 billion times per month. Ten years forward, in 2010, it increased to 188 billion texts per month that Americans. And that was in 2010. I don't even want to know how many texts we, um, communi- we sent to each other in an average month to- today. But in the, elect- in the electronic world of communication, nonverbal communication is between 90 and 93 percent. Why? Because we used to say that um, 55% is, um, you know, hand gestures and facial gestures. But 38% was tone. Guess what? With text, you take out the tone, right? You take out the tone. Unless you want to all caps. And then you say, okay, this person's mad at me. Well, at least now we've got those emojis to kind of help us out, Right? But we've taken tone out of our communication. So 90% to 93% um, is nonverbal communication. And it says in 2010, it says the Americans between 18 and 29-year-olds sent and received about 88 text messages per day. So, I don't know, you kids, does that sound about right? You send about 88 text messages a day. But only on the average receiving 17 phone calls a day. All right? And that's dropping even more today. I mean, I average about maybe one phone call today on my cell phone. On my office phone, I may average about one phone call every two weeks. 
Yeah, wow, yeah. And so, I'm not that scary, folks. If you want to talk to me, I'd be more than willing to talk to me, talk to you. You don't have to be afraid of me. Um, but anyway, what they're saying is people are not using the phones anymore to talk. What are we using it for? Texting. And all of the communication companies got that. Remember when we used to say, oh, I only have so many minutes left to talk on the phone? Well, they were finding out that customers weren't even using up the minutes. And even at the lowest bracket that they would offer, they wouldn't even get close to using the phone minutes. So what did they say? Hey, we'll give you unlimited phone minutes. It's like, oh, big deal. I don't use it anyway. You know, companies like J.P. Morgan and other large corporations are actually removing voicemail service from the phones of people who don't have direct connections with their clients. So if you don't have a direct uh, connection with your clients, if that's not part of your job, what are they doing? They're removing the voicemail in order to save money, in order to do so. But buffer texting is also being used. Now, buffer texting is a way to skirt or to get away from the difficult face-to-face conversations. It says, in a 2013 survey, 59%, okay, 60% of people between the ages of 21 and 50 said they either would or might break up with somebody they were dating casually via text. Yeah, what? 60%. Of people said, if I was dating somebody casually, I would break up. That, have you heard breakup text? You know, that's where that came from. However, this is even crazier. Close to, well, 24% would consider ending an exclusive relationship that way. So if you were exclusive and you were dating for a long time, 25% of us said that they would end the relationship via text rather than face-to-face. And the problem is when um, they call it buffering or um, buffer texting is because when you do somebody, uh, do, uh, when somebody does something to you and then you let them know and then you get this text and says, I'm sorry, and that's it. You don't get the full effect of that apology. You don't see their face to see how remorseful they could be. They could be um, saying, oh, I'm sorry, and watching a, a, a show on TV, right? Or you don't get to uh, hear their voice or their tone that you're truly remorseful. Or let's say the meaning of a cancellation. You get, you're looking forward to meeting somebody. Sorry, I can't go. And you don't know um, why, they're, why they're doing that. You don't know if they even care that they don't show up, you know. Or let's say you ask somebody to something and they accept by saying, okay, cool, I could go. Well, you don't know if it's cool, I could go or cool, I could go, I can't wait. You don't know. A lot needs to be interpreted. Um, you can't see. Their facial reaction. I mean, how many times have um, somebody texted us and said, uh, Dave, could you meet me in 30 minutes? And I go, okay, I can meet you in 30 minutes, but you don't see this. 
I mean, they're over there and I'm over here. Now I gotta, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. I'm not saying that I'm gonna do that, so if you wanna meet me in 30 minutes, that's okay. But, what, what I'm saying is, you don't get that. Now, if you ask me face to face, if you ask, could I meet you in 30 minutes, and I said yes, but all of a sudden I kinda stiffen up, you know, and my, yeah, I, I, I think I, you could get that, okay, well maybe he doesn't wanna meet me in 30 minutes. But over text, you can't get that. So in this texting world, if 90 to 93% of communication is now nonverbal, and we don't get that via text, what are the implications for that? Now, I'm not saying that we can't communicate in a texting world, because it does say that people are communicating more than ever in texting. However, what this is doing is this is adding a lot of miscommunication into our relationship, and it's putting a lot of stress on our society, and it puts a lot of stress on our, um, you know, our marriages. You know, there was a email that I got from somebody outside the church, and uh, you know, I was confounded for it, so I had to show it to Mako. I said, Mako, what do you think this person is saying? And is this person angry? Is this person just want to share something? I don't know. Because I didn't know that person well enough to understand, you know, when they write something, what's meant behind it. And so that's what's important, is we miss some of those things. But sometimes we tend to communicate something we don't want to communicate, or we're just confused. Now, I just want to share something, um, a text between myself and my wife um, this past uh, week. And, you know, you know, I... Always ask her, and you know she's cool with this. But <laughs> she says, "I'm at the Nordstrom's rack," and it's like, "Okay, you're at the Nordstrom rack shopping." She was shopping for you know uh, some shirts for Michael, and then I ask her, "Can you pick up dinner, pizza rev?" And then it goes, "Hmm, still looking around. Give me some time." Okay, and then um, I said, "Well, how about pizza rev?" Because I know Pizza Rev is kind of close to Nordstrom Rack. Uh, Pizza Rev, wait, I have to get in line. And so I just said, okay, extra cheese, pepperoni, extra sausage, <laughs> mushrooms, olives. And you know, and then, and he goes, then I said, wait, you have to get in line. I said, okay, you could go somewhere else then. Because I thought, well, she didn't want to go to Pizza Rev because you have to get in line. So I said, you could go. Go, go to, go, go to a drive-through then, that's okay with me. You know? Then it's, then she, Grace texts me, where are you? And I said, I'm at home. <laughs> and then she texts, aren't you meeting me? And I'm texting, wait, I just asked you that, to pick up something and bring home. You know, now it's like, are you meeting me? And then fortunately, I have this husband radar that says, even though I'm at home watching a basketball game, and that's why I wanted you to pick up Pizza Rev for me and bring it home so I don't have to leave watching the game. I get what you're saying, so I'll drive out to Pizza Rev, even though you could have picked it up, you know. But then we ended, she goes, oh wait, that's not what I meant. I meant I have, I'm waiting in line at the rack. Oh, you got that. All you, what? Look at all of the women are shaking their heads. They're saying, wait, I have to wait in line. 
Guys, you got to stick up with me. How many thought that I was thinking? Come on, I need some backup here. Oh my goodness. Okay, so you got that. She said, wait, I'm waiting in line. We have to wait in line. And I took that as, wait, Pizza Rev, I have to wait in line. So I said, okay, go through a drive-thru then. <laughs> you don't have to wait in line. But anyway, this is how communication gets messed up. And that was just between a man and I guess that wasn't Grace and I. That was a man-woman thing because I totally, phew. But also sometimes you can't get into the communication. Have, you know, one of the, you know, I used to group text. Do you group text? Well, you know, I, I don't anymore. But I used to group text with Diana Kim and Sherry Lee. Okay, now Diana's probably one of the best administrators you know, and both her and Sherry are just like blazers on when they text. So they're texting back and forth, and it's going, vroom, 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 and I'm trying to, vroom, vroom, vroom. <laughs> and so finally I get a word in, and then I get another text from Diana, vroom, Dave, that was like 10 thoughts ago. You know, I go, vroom, vroom, vroom. And they go, would you guys slow down? And so you would think they would slow down. Then they just sped up. You know, and I, just, I said, forget it. You don't even want me in this conversation. You know? And, and so it's hilarious. I mean, I could say that about Dennis because we've been really close friends for, you know, several decades now. But it was like, we were texting. I couldn't even get a word in. And when I finally got a word in, it was like 10 thoughts ago. You know, so it's like, ah. But if I was there in person, they might have seen me confused and said, okay, we got to slow down a bit to wait to allow Dave to catch up. But since we were just texting, it was like, well, this is crazy. But that's the world that we live in today. Where communication can get mixed up and it causes stress on our relationships. But does the Bible have something to say about communication? Of course it does, because we were created to be relational beings. So if your Bibles, can you uh, turn with me to Colossians 4, 6? And we're just going to be reading um, Bible verses here on um, communication. There's a lot more than this. But it says, Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer Everyone, whether you text or whether you communicate, it says our conversations should be full of grace. They should be flavoring. They should be seasoning it with flavor, a good flavor. And salt has a preserving quality. So do our, does our communication preserve um, the relationship? Psalm 19.14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock, my um, redeemer. Is our communication with each other pleasing to God? Psalm 37.30, The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom, and their tongues speak what is just. Is our communication wise? Is it just? Is it truthful? And miscommunication has a way of distorting wisdom. And it has a way of distorting, you know, what is right. Mainly because we're not sure what the other person is actually saying. It said, instead of speaking the tr- in Ephesians 4, 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, 
that is Christ. Now, correcting speech, correcting communication. It says we need to correct in love. We need to speak the truth in love. Now, I am a firm believer with this. If you're going to correct somebody, it never should be done over text, and it never should be done over email. Why? Because unless you are a really good writer and you know exactly that 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 person will understand every single word that you say, if you send a text or an email that has something to do with correcting and love, there's a good chance that's going to be misinterpreted. And instead of helping that individual grow, because you might be right, you know, you might, there might be something that you do need to point out to somebody that would help correct them in a certain area to help them grow. But if you do that in texting or writing, most likely it's going to be miscommunicated. You know, Dr. Gary Chapman, and some of you might already know this, um, you know, wrote this, wrote this book called The Five Languages of Love. And we all speak different love languages, meaning that there are certain words or actions that give us affirmation as human beings. We all have that. And so we need to learn these languages in order to affirm people, in order to care for people, in order to make sure what we are communicating to them is that we want to communicate love to them because we are speaking their language. And everyone has this. And the first one, he says, is words of affirmation. It says, actions don't always don't speak louder than words. If this is your love language, unsolicited compliments, words of encouragement, hearing I love you, send your spirits skyward. If your primary love language is um, words of affirmation, you know, you feel loved when you get notes. Or texting could even be a way when you just, out of no reason, you say, I love you. You know, I'm thinking about you. I'm hoping you have a wonderful day. And you're using the words that, um, you're using words to affirm them. Using pet names, honey, hun, or whatever um, names that you have for one another that show affections. Those are all words of affirmation. You know, when something's going wrong in this person's life and you give an encouraging word, that really lifts the spirit. Why? Because they feel um, loved when they hear words of affirmation. Okay, words of affirmation. Um, the next one is quality time. It says, nothing says, no, nothing says I love you like full undivided attention. Being there for this type of person is critical. Turning off the TV, putting the cell phone away, or spending uninterrupted time with this person makes him or her feel loved. I mean, how many times, I know some, some of you going like this, I see you, amen to you, yeah, that's probably you. But how many times have you gone to a restaurant and you've watched people around you and they're not talking, they're just what? Looking at the cell phone, maybe checking an email, the kids are playing a game or whatever, and they're not communicating with each other. Because just because you're with that person doesn't mean that that's quality time. 
Because some of us say, well, I'm with you, aren't I? I'm not at home watching the game. I'm here. But when I say you're with them, it means to be fully present with them. Now, this is a key. Now, all of us say, well, we want quality time, not quantity of time. But this is something I learned over the years, that quality time comes out of quantity of time. You cannot program quality time. And I learned this growing up when I was in a long-distance relationship. You know, I saw this one person that I met maybe once a year. And so either I would go up to Seattle, she would come down to L.A., but it's during that week where you feel you have to make everything quality time. And I found out that that doesn't work. That doesn't work. You could say, hey, you know what? We're going to do this and we're going to have quality time. Well, that rarely happens. Quality time happens, the majority of the time, quality of time happens spontaneously out of the quantity of time that we spent with a person. So, so parents, do you want to have quality time with your kids? Well, don't just plan moments of quality time. Spend a lot of time with your kids. Okay? Spend a lot of time with the kids. And then quality time will come out of that. Acts of service. This is another uh, uh, quality, or this is a love language or some. Acts of service. Anything you can do to ease the burden of responsibilities weighing on acts of service person will speak volumes. The words he or she wants to hear most is, let me do that for you. Let me do that for you. So if your um, spouse or um, significant other or somebody that you care about, their love language is acts of service. Vacuuming and cleaning the house is huge. Running errands is huge. Knowing when this person is stressed and knowing what stresses them out and saying, what can I do to relieve that stress? That's Huge for people whose love language is acts of service. Is acts of service. Meaning, you know, for some of you who, you know, just like a clean house, you know, that's cool that you clean the house. But for somebody who this is how they feel loved and valued, it means something totally different. It's so much deeper if you do these acts of service for people. Then there's receiving gifts. And says, don't make, don't mistake this love language for materialism. Cause you might think, well, all this person does is they want things. But that's not the case. It says, the receiver of gifts thrives on, thrives on the love, thoughtfulness, and effort behind the gift. To him or her, receiving a gift is an expression of love. These gifts could be as simple as a card. Or these gifts could be as simple as you making something for the other person. And this is a key. These gifts don't have to be expensive. Okay? A lot of times people think, well, in order for me to show my care for somebody, it's tied into the value of the gift price-wise. In this case, that's not the case. What's more important is, is the thoughtfulness behind the gift. Right? That you, that you'd sacrifice your time and effort. And it says, I was thinking about you. And this 
And, and it's the kind of gift that you give somebody. And it may, to me or somebody else, it may be meaningless. But for you, it might be the most precious thing that you have. And if your house is on fire and you go back in, this is the thing that you grab. You don't necessarily grab all of your financial papers or your insurance papers if your house is on fire. You run and you get this gift because this gift was so special. And it's important for us um, who are trying to show love to somebody who this is their love language that their gifts match their preferences, okay? That we have to know what their preferences are. You know, when Grace, you know, my wife likes to shop and, you know, we used to shop together. Now, I don't like shopping, okay? It drives me nuts when I go to a store and we're looking around and we come out with nothing. And to me, that's a total waste of time. And, you know, my wife's happy and I go, why? We didn't buy anything. And it was so frustrated. And this is why these, um, like, uh, department stores got smart. They put benches and chairs there. And who are they for? They're for guys like me who say, okay, just go. I, I want to sit down here. But one thing I realized that my wife wanted to spend time with me shopping. So what we devised a plan. And I said, honey, what do you want? What are you looking for? She says, I'm looking for this. And I, good, I'm in my hunting mode now. So I'm going around the whole store looking for this, looking for that, looking for this. And I come back and I go, is this it? He goes, no, that's a little bit too loud. It's not, that's not me. Okay, no problem. Put it back in. I go again. What about this? You know, then I enjoyed it. Then I enjoyed it. But, but every time I went, Every time I said, so what are you looking for? I always kept it in the back of my head, what she was looking for. Why? So when I went out and got a gift for her, at least I have a list in my mind of things that I know she likes. Now, even then, I don't bat 100%, you know, but it was my way of saying I care about you because I'm paying attention to what you said you liked. And if I'm going to give you a gift, it's going to be based upon that. And so that's important too. Finally, the last language is physical touch. To this person, nothing speaks more deeply than touch. Everyday connections like hand-holding, hugs, back rubs make him or her feel loved. Now I want to make this perfectly here now. I'm only talking about this language in the context of a marital relationship, okay? Because there is appropriate and inappropriate touching outside that marital relationship. I mean, there is in marital relationship too, but I don't want to hear from anybody that, oh, I got fired because you said hugging and back rubbing is physical touch. So I did that on the, around the office and they fired me. You know, that's not what I'm talking about here. There is appropriate, inappropriate touch. But okay, make this perfectly clear. I'm talking within the context of the marital relationship here. And for, you know, this applies, the physical touch, these are just, the person dislikes to be touched by you. Meaning, you know, putting an arm around them, just patting them on the back means a whole lot because it's terms of, of affection. Now, this always doesn't lead to the bedroom 
And that's not what it's all about. Right? It's not, not what it's all about. There are people that if you just, you know, you're sitting there watching a movie and boom, you grab their hand. You know, that means a lot to them. And so these are the love languages that people have. And then for those of us who are married, these are the languages that we need to understand that our spouse speaks. Okay, if we want to love them, we need to understand how they feel loved. And that's important. Now, just because you don't speak that love language doesn't mean that you don't have to do it. Let's say you, your spouse or the person that you want to show love to is, um, their love language is receiving gifts and yours isn't. Yours might be acts of service. Well, just because it is doesn't mean you don't, you don't have to give this person gifts because it's like acts of service. And a lot of times we get frustrated because if a person has a long love language of, of, let's say receiving gifts and you're, you're, um, trying to meet that need by acts of service is you go and you vacuum the house and then the other person's not too excited about it. And then you go, I just vacuumed the house. Doesn't that show that I love you? And, you know, and we're expecting this, oh, you're the best husband in the world. But we just get, oh, that was nice. Thank you. And that kind of deflates us, Right? <laughs> Because, well, forget it then. If this is the thanks I'm going to get. But what was the problem? We didn't match our actions with the primary love language of our spouse. Or the person we're trying to show love to. But like I said, once again, just because you don't speak that language. Or you might speak that language, but you speak a different dialect, you know, in that language. Doesn't mean you don't have to do it. It's kind of like spiritual gifts, right? You know, how many times I've heard people say, well, I don't share the gospel. And I go, well, why is that? Well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. And I said, okay, you may not have the gift of evangelism, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world outside you. And it's the same thing here. So what's our weekly challenge? Weekly challenge. Identify areas that cause the most miscommunication between you and your spouse or the person that you care for or anybody. Is it texting? Is it that you just have different cultures or different meanings to different words? What, as you take a look at the main source of where you guys miscommunicate, think about that. Because when was the last time you thought about Huh, what are the areas where we miscommunicate the most? And then do something about it to improve that. Or how can you improve the communication between you and your spouse or the person that you want to show care to? And spend time with your spouse to determine their primary love language. Because you could take a look at this list and say, Ooh, I like all of those. You know, I speak all of those languages. Well, I think with inside of us, you know, we do. We all appreciate all of these. But there is a certain language that you appreciate more, that you feel loved more than any of the others when they speak that to you. So what I'd like you to do within uh, this week to talk, to communicate. Don't text. 
I don't want to hear anybody say, Pastor Dave, guess what? My husband texts me and asks me what does he think uh, my love language is. No texting. No emails, okay? Face-to-face. Put your cell phones down when you talk. Turn the TV off. Spend some time discussing this. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you created us all uniquely. But, Father, you created us to be relational beings. And, Father, in the world today, we're 93, 90 to 93% of our communication is nonverbal. Lord, I've seen time and time and time again where arguments start. There's frustration within the context of relationships because of miscommunication. Because one person communicated something that the other person never intended to hear. Or maybe they communicated something that was totally different from what they intended to communicate. But Father, we also know that each one of us are unique. And God, we there are different things, Father, that make us feel loved more than other th- others. And so, Father, as we spend time this week, would you give us the wisdom and the openness to sit down and talk, to determine how we could best love our spouse, or how we could best love the people we care about. And Lord, we know that you want that. You want that in our relationships. And so, Father, will your spirit work mightily among us this week as we try to have our communication be a sweet aroma to the person that we communicate with. That our words, that the way we communicate will show love That the way we communicate, Father, will be a blessing to those with whom we communicate. Thank you so much. In your son's name we pray.